imagine you are watching the news this is like probably late 1970s or 1980s early mm. 1980s you're watching the news and you get to know that uh, the cops have apprehended a serial killer and uh, they say that he has killed over like some 10 20 mm. women raped them and uh, killed them and then they show his image mm. they show uh, a photograph of him and suddenly you go like i've seen this guy somewhere <laughs> that will be terrifying yeah and then you think about it you think it through you brood over it for a day and then it hits you mm-hmm. you remember watching a game show mm-hmm. a dating game show like a few years back and you remember that you saw this guy as a contestant in that show how would it feel well it would be uh, it would be a little freaky let's talk about it Welcome to another episode of Right Friend Geek Show. We are your hosts Vishnu and Shankar. And in this episode we're going to talk about serial killer Rodney Alcala. So we are back to your uh, favorite topic right again. Yeah. See, <laughs> I've got to do it sometime, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There is no escaping yeah. that. So before getting into this episode, I think we have something to tell the uh, tell our audience that uh, you know, we have never asked for it but I think it's high time we do. We would love it if you could go to go and subscribe to our podcast on any of the platforms you listen to and probably if you can take a minute or two and review us, rate us, review us and if possible just share it with someone if you like the content that we produce share it with someone that you love and let them know that something like this is happening and probably they can l- learn something from it right yeah and if you especially if you have an iphone or an i device apple device please go to itunes and rate us whether you listen to a, a podcast on itunes or not doesn't matter but you know uh, please uh, show us some love there as well spotify does it have a rating system no, no. right yeah two things about that uh, it's not itunes anymore it's apple podcast oh, and second thing <laughs> i should be knowing that yeah it's a cheap thing to ask if you don't <laughs> listen to it uh, e- even then going no, and rating no, it but yeah that's not what i meant i meant even if you don't listen on apple podcast you use oh, okay, some third okay. party app like spotify or pocket cast or cast box or whatever even if you listen on those apps please go and uh, you know give us a rating on apple podcast yeah. that would be great because i'm not going to ask someone who is not listened to us to give us a rating that would be the most stupidest thing thing to do i misunderstood <laughs> right? my bad yeah so please do that uh, when you started i thought you were asking for money or something but yeah no, someone wants to give us money up, i don't mind that yeah, also we should probably set up a patreon account does it work for indian indian yeah. traders i've seen like a few using it but i'm not sure how feasible it is yeah but uh, <laughs> we'll uh, think it, about it a little yeah. later down the line will let you know i don't know it's weird to ask for money <laughs> yeah. as, as of now that's okay as yeah. long as you know you're kind enough to leave us a review and you know maybe whatever you feel right uh, if you can put it up on apple podcast and where else teacher and other teacher uh, cast box yeah that would be great thank you so much for yeah. that getting into the episode um like every time we do we talk about the childhood of the person the serial killer at first right mm. so from what i've read it said that rodney alcala had a normal childhood <laughs> well he was born in santa antonio texas and uh, at the age of 8 his family moved to mexico 
and his father abandoned his family when oh, he was that married. is a very normal <laughs> childhood right <laughs> no this like i think it's normal there this is a, uh, it's not just normal there <laughs> it's kind uh, yeah, of normal yeah. everywhere that is something we could get on, get onto our uh, you know in some other episode yeah. probably like Unfiltered. a different podcast a therapy podcast <laughs> yes yeah some some deep secrets here maybe behind the scenes that right and getting yeah. personal with right yeah. or whatever and then his mother uh, his siblings and him he, they moved to los angeles later he had a considerably he had a normal childhood which was you know trouble free and uh, he was uh, pretty okay at school and all that later his siblings him and his mother they moved to los angeles mm. so basically he had a normal childhood is what we get to know mm. and then at the age of 17 he joined the army and 4 uh, years later at the age of 21 he was discharged from the army stating that he was not in a proper mental state he had a nervous breakdown mm. is what they've said okay and uh, so that's where all the changes happened so just to give a little bit of background uh, about this guy he was born uh, in 1943 uh, on the 23rd of august and uh, he is known to have killed anywhere around 8 to 130 people 8 to 130 yeah we don't we still don't have a that's proper a, account that's a wide range yeah. right how can you be so inaccurate about some killings man yeah and uh, he uh, the span of his crime was from 1968 to 1979 and uh, he he is convicted for battery uh, kidnapping murder raping then probation violation seems like uh, not that big charge but yeah it's also included then providing ca- cannabis to minors mm-hmm. one thing that i want to bring up right so battery uh, maybe i don't know if everybody knows what actually a battery means so battery is part of uh, you know this assault and battery are two um, i don't know how to describe it they're two different things right battery means doing physical harm right you're hitting a person or you know firing a gun at him or whatever it is right but assault need not have any physical physical contact as such you know so that's why there are different kind of assaults so battery is not the battery that you find in phones or whatever it is funny thing yeah uh, there is a song called battery by metallica right yeah. i always used to wonder why would they write a song about battery you <laughs> <laughs> written a song about table or <laughs> yeah that is another thing no he goes out there and says i am a table right that's that's just yeah weird. battery that so that battery is about this uh, yeah. okay i didn't know that Yeah, I think so. What, what else be. can it be? He's not going to write about lead acid battery or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Probably. So uh, once he got discharged, uh, there were like a few psychologists who checked upon him. And they figured out that uh, he had antisocial personality disorder. With that, he was also uh, diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Then borderline personality disorder, uh, which is uh, bipolar. Mm. And... Uh, uh, malignant narcissism with psychopathy and sexual sadism so yeah <laughs> this is a long list I of know, issues i right? know i know so from the age of 17 to 21 when he was in the military something happened which we still don't know mm. and he refrains to talk about it he seems like which, a cocktail of mental issues actually yeah. Yeah and during it's during this four uh, four year period that everything changed mm. and uh, then he attended uh, california state university uh, from where he was transferred to ucla and he got a degree in fine arts uh, in 1968 and 1968 is the year when he uh, did his first crime and the crime was that uh, 
he um, lured an 8 year old called Tally Shapiro when she was going to school and uh, to his hollywood apartment then uh, beat her up she fell unconscious then raped her and he was planning to kill her but someone had witnessed uh, rodney you know taking tally to his apartment and mm. he had followed them and then uh, he started banging on the door mm-hmm. and that's when he fled so even though she sustained serious injuries she survived once this happened he realized okay he can't stay in california then he moved to new york mm-hmm. and enrolled in new york university uh, under the name john burger mm-hmm. yeah and then he took up a job as a camp counselor for for mm-hmm, children mm-hmm. under the alias john burger burger yeah yeah and during this time he also took up a class under the great roman polanski uh, the director uh, oh you know him right yes. sharon tate's husband he directed pianist um, yeah so uh, yeah that's one connection so mm-hmm. this guy wanted to be a photographer okay. because he he's got a fine arts uh, degree mm-hmm. and then um, yeah while he was in this new york university is when um, he he started spreading his wings and killing a lot more people so his modus operandi was that uh, he would uh, find people uh, in, in the streets of anywhere he is and tell them that he's a photographer mm-hmm. and he needs uh, to take pictures for his uh, portfolio okay. portfolio and uh, he'll take uh, this women <coughs> to like different locations and uh, you know some compromising uh, when they're in some compromising positions he'll beat them up subdue mm-hmm. them rape them then wait for them to uh, wake up and then kill them so that was his modus operandi <laughs> this is <laughs> as if he is not sick enough like, yeah in 1971 uh, he was uh, added to the fbi's most wanted list mm-hmm. and they spread flyers of this guy you know you have it in post of offices right right, right now uh, like now we have it on the internet mm-hmm. but back then uh, the way people the the post way it FBI the used to like yeah mm-hmm. spread it was posted on major outlets right. and one of them is this post office so some of rodney alcala's uh, you know students not students he used to counsel right so these students they once they went to this post office and saw this guy this photo. guy's photo and they were like flabbergasted <laughs> well I, is that the right word to use here <laughs> <laughs> terrified would be the right word yeah. to use it properly what i'm not understanding is this guy uh, okay he's changed a name and stuff right maybe that's why um, how simple was it to just change the name and all that there was no identity stuff and all those days i guess i mean internet was not around yeah so. yeah like it's easy to forge things right and uh, then there is no like major database where yeah. you can fetch the details within seconds mm-hmm. like right, like right now on the internet you can just do a basic google search and figure out who is who yeah so uh, yeah they found out that this guy is in the uh, fbi's most wanted list and you know this guy is like one of the most charming person mm-hmm. uh, he's got lion's mane kind of hair flowing uh-huh. hair and is always very good at you know conducting himself with people around people and uh, it really surprised them but they let the principal uh, know what they saw and uh, they notified the fbi and they came and arrested him mm-hmm. so uh, the and charge was the year 71 71 so the charge against uh, this guy was that he uh, raped and uh, tried to murder this 8 year old uh, tally mm-hmm. shapiro and in between he also uh, raped and strangled uh, this lady called uh, comelia michael sirly a mm-hmm. 23 year old air hostess 
who was also like one of the big shots in new york uh, mm. you know the pub scene and all that they, right. her dad had some pub or something over there so um, yeah that case was unsolved they didn't know like he was related to mm. this thing mm. till 2010 or something when oh. dna evidence you know uh, put rodney alcala in the scene and uh, the issue with this uh, prosecution was that this trial was that uh, tally shapiro and her family had moved ba- moved to mexico by then mm. so they were not present at the you know um, trials, trials yeah. and uh, so the so the prosecutors they had to settle for lesser sentence which is just for assaulting you know mm. uh, they mm. had to settle for that and he was put in prison uh, without fixing a sentence It, it's something called indeterminate sentencing like where uh, the the prison guards or like people who are looking after the after the prison they'll uh, check this guy on a long term and figure out if he is you know fit to go back to the society mm-hmm. can you imagine yeah and this guy being a master manipulator that is again like being on probation like right but inside the prison inside the mm-hmm. prison so this guy being a master manipulator got all the guards on his side and within 17 months he was out mm-hmm. within 2 months of this he uh, picked up a girl and said that you know we're going to take some photographs and something took her to a, a sunsan alone area and uh, gave her marijuana mm-hmm. and was about to assault her but then a policeman came there and mm-hmm. asked her like what is happening so she told her name in the records uh, it's just mentioned as julie j mm-hmm. so she told him that you know this guy is trying to assault me and he gave me this thing marijuana uh, so that's where the uh, pro- uh, providing cannabis to a minor ah, thing that came. okay and yeah. because of that he was again uh, put into trial and uh, he got another in- indeterminate ah, sentencing are you serious who and he spent two years in prison and got out who the hell is giving these kind of sentences? Yeah, man. because of good behavior really yeah then uh, once that was over he he was uh, on parole uh, for the rest of the few years and in 1977 he said that he wanted to go back to new york and you know probably finish his studies and the parole of officer accepted it he said that okay you can go there i think the world was full of nice people back then probably but it was the same time when all the other serial killers were <laughs> yeah, also I there know. right so i'm not sure Our, uh, this guy also right that bundy yeah. richard ramirez everyone was there so uh, he then went to new york and he continued doing what he was doing mm-hmm. and once he reached uh, new york he uh, got a job as a typesetter at los angeles times in 1978 <laughs> los angeles times is one of the you know prominent yeah. newspapers there and he got a job there so they didn't do any background verification nothing was done just that he could do the work that's all they did and um, his colleagues they found him to be a little creepy because this guy had a stack of photographs mm-hmm. of you know uh, young women also like they were in like sexually explicit position so when his colleagues asked them asked him like well, why do you have so many phones he's like you know it's for my portfolio and blah 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 mm-hmm. and uh, he got so confident in himself that uh, in 1978 he went on and appeared in the dating game which was which is like a pro- which used to be a prominent show where uh, they uh, get a few guys then there'll be one girl she'll uh, you know uh, interact with these guys and figure out who would be the right person for her to go for go on a date and uh, he was introduced as uh, a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in a dark room at the age of 13 fully oh. developed right <laughs> and between takes you might find him skydiving or motorcycling oh. and uh, 
the other contestants who were with them right the guys they uh, in the backstage only they found him to be very mm. creepy when he said that you know you guys don't stand a chance i know how to really? get the girl mm. and all that, that and guess what happened he got the girl he uh, so this lady called uh, Cheryl Bradshaw was the uh, spinster who was there to like find mm-hmm. a date and she was really charmed by this guy and they he won the competition and they were supposed to go on a date like a like a vacation in some place and all that but once they were backstage this guy just got out of hand and was acting super creepy so this lady said that you know i don't think this is going to happen because this guy Mm. seems to be really creepy yeah, I couldn't and, wait, I yeah. so that happened and guess what in the next three months right he went on a killing spree mm-hmm. probably he was not able to take the rejection and he went on to kill like three four uh, women and then in 1979 um, he picked up this 12 uh, year old girl called Robin Samsao uh, like uh, she and her friend were like in the beach just mm. chilling out and suddenly this guy appears from nowhere and he says that you know i'm a photographer i can click pictures for you then uh, you know i also uh, want some pictures for my portfolio i am going to like put it in some competition and if he wins we can split the reward mm-hmm. and all that so they were like okay we are at the beach just chilling so let him take some pictures and then we'll go our ways then while he was clicking pictures one of her aunts uh, mm-hmm. they uh, she saw this and she came and asked them what are you doing and they were like you know this guy said that he is a photographer so we let him take some pictures so rodney alcala without saying a word he just left oh okay <clears throat> and and robin samsao she was supposed to join a dance school that day and <clears throat> she left soon afterwards mm-hmm. but that was the last time anyone saw her and uh, she was found murdered like 2 weeks later and her decomposed body was found her friend and aunt gave a description of this guy mm. uh, and they sketched it right. then they spread it across uh, the country and it was his parole officer who saw this po- photograph and said oh my god you would have regretted a lot yeah. right that and night. that's how they apprehended him, him in 1980 mm. so probably for good yeah probably yes for good for good and uh, they found that he has a locker in seattle mm-hmm. which they found uh, they already had suspicion on him so they had tapped his phone then he was talking to his sister over the phone saying that i have a uh, locker uh, you know in seattle where i have kept some things which you may have to go and remove it so these guys the the cops these guys means the cop so the cops they went and checked the locker and they found her earring the robin ah, samsaw's okay. one earring these were mementos which he kept to remember what he has done and this connected him to the crime scene and he was uh, convicted then the trial went on and uh, then in the trial of 1980 he got death penalty but it was overturned saying that the jurors were provided false information mm-hmm. about his previous charges okay. of sexual assault and all that and he was again put on trial in 1986 and he again got the death penalty but this was overturned saying that one of the witnesses uh was allowed to support alcala's claim that the police of investigator who who found the remains of robin samsaw was hypnotized <laughs> are you serious <laughs> yeah so this happened and uh, he was put in prison there was no way he's going to come out because mm. there was a mm. direct link between robin and uh, rodney alcala right and in 2010 he was again put on trial where he acted as his own attorney 
leading to a five hour long bizarre session <laughs> you know of self questioning and uh, answering like he would uh, ask a question to himself saying that oh so rodney alkala what was this thing <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah. totally not yeah man. yeah but then uh, dna evidence has proved that he he was at mm. the crime scene not in this one even the air hostess he killed earlier right right that one too then uh, there was this lady called monique hoyt who mm-hmm. was picked up by him in 1970s and she uh, they he took a, took her to a, a, a beach kind of setting where they took some pictures and uh, he asked her to like you know uh, can you pose uh, naked mm. and we'll take some pictures then uh, what he did was like he gave her one of one shawl and ask her to like you know probably cover your face and mm. you know we'll take a picture like that to give that you know mystery look and all that when she did that he stuck on her head and she fell unconscious he raped her and once she woke up right she fig- figured out that if he re- she resists this guy will kill her, kill her. Mm. so what she did was like you know she was like you know don't tell anyone this happened i don't want anyone to know about this just acted as if he could uh, she could you know relate to this guy and he started crying it seems mm-hmm. and then uh, they went for a drive in between uh, he had to fill fill up gas petrol mm-hmm. or diesel whatever it is Gasoline. petrol most yeah. uh, most probably yeah and when they stopped he wanted to go to the washroom she escaped she escaped so this lady was also there at the trial mm-hmm. and uh, she supported the claims and with dna evidence this guy was ab- again given the death penalty and he is currently waiting uh, you know oh he is still prison. waiting for yeah, it yeah yeah he is 77 provided, uh, 2010 <laughs> yeah on. 2010 so uh, some of the uh, funny things which i'd like to add is that you know um, he while incarcerated he wrote this book called you the jury claiming his innocence in the robin samsaw case and mm. uh, he also filed a few uh, lawsuits against uh, the prison Uh, for like one slip and fall incident and person. also for not providing him low fat diet <laughs> yeah i think he he lost on a lot of privileges yeah. there in the prison yeah so uh, but the but the thing to note there is these kind of things are actually con- considered there in us yeah, right yeah. these will be considered and there will be charges against the prison and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah yeah that is there but uh, this was like totally uncalled for what the hell yeah. low fat diet <laughs> yeah when this new evidences uh, came out right in um, 2010 the the police they what they didn't uh, did was like they released like 120 pictures from alkalas co- collection which is still on the internet which you can check if like someone could ad- identify who it is mm-hmm. and so there, there that means there are more victims yeah yeah see, see he has around like thousand images mm-hmm. of different women and we But are talking about pre digital camera era right yeah 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 mm-hmm. from 1968 to 1980 time 79 80 mm-hmm. and they could only like provide to the public 120 pictures because others were deemed to be explicit right. sexually explicit and within the first few weeks right at least six families came forward and around like 21 women came forward say, saying that they know one or the other person who were like in the photograph but uh, it was not until 2013 uh, when a family member recognized the picture of the then 28 year old uh, christine uh, thornton whose body was found in 1982 so again one charge was added to this guy's name mm. and yeah he is currently waiting 
uh, his uh, what is that sentencing which is death penalty uh, maybe nature and, will yeah. take care of that he is probably old, yeah right. he is said to be in uh, you know very uh, late 70s yeah he's 77 and said to be in Bad not condition. that good uh, yeah. health conditions so yeah and uh, you can still check out this these uh, uh, photographs on the internet so yeah so this is a guy who is super narcissistic and uh, he was actually a monster who could manipulate people whenever he wanted to and uh, was able to like gain trust of people even strangers for that matter and we still don't know how many people he has killed even he does not know where he has you know killed and dumped their body wow. so it is said to be eight around eight to like 130 people and he's still awaiting you know his uh, what is that destiny where <laughs> <laughs> final destination yeah. maybe probably we would have spoken about this in earlier episodes related to serial killers and stuff but i think um you know for them all this seems pretty natural right? yeah. Um, yeah they also have this in immense confidence that they'll never get caught or something but and it also shows the incompetence of the force right yeah. they let him out after 17 months for the first time then after 2 years the second time and uh, then again the parole of officer granted him to move to new york and also like they were not able to like convince the victims to come forward and speak at the trial mm. which i forgot to mention tally shapiro during the 2010 trial she had come and testified against him oh okay yeah so at first she moved to mexico and uh, her family they didn't want to be a part of this trial but yeah she had come forward so yeah probably a lot of lives would have been saved if this guy was put behind bar earlier but yeah in the in hindsight the hard way yeah in hand, hindsight everything appears the same right there are many other killers also who have been caught and then let go and you know maybe if they had paid a little more attention these things could have been yeah avoided. yeah see if um, the dating game people had did some background mm. check even if it's something even if you know the new york university whatever it is yeah. had done some background check yeah, there it might not have him because he had just uh, assaulted or Tanisha he was Piro. working somewhere right yeah. he went for went for a job yeah los yeah. angeles times they could have caught him exactly. and during that time when he was there he was actually he he uh, his name was in the uh, predator list sexual predator <laughs> list and uh, there was a serial killers uh, going around uh, by the name of hillsider stranglers mm-hmm. hillside stranglers and they were like the cops were like interviewing all the people who were under this uh, predator list right. and while he was in los angeles times uh, rodney alcala was interviewed but he got off scot free come on man yeah so that's about yeah, him yeah that is uh, another serial killer yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dating the game serial killer well, the guy who had the guts to come on tv while he was doing that is over confidence right they get blinded by yeah. their own confidence let's know what you feel and as said earlier please subscribe rate review tell your friends and uh, if you want to provide us money that will also do <laughs> or buy us a coffee van so okay. yeah, reach out to us <laughs> privately on instagram for money <laughs> just joking thank you so much yeah. for listening bye bye